today on the show, we're talking about the 10 healthy habits of frugal people. Welcome to the Simple Money Solutions Podcast, where we focus on your money from a Canadian perspective. This podcast is produced weekly and released every Monday. Show notes for every episode can be found at livelifesimple.ca. Now let's get on with the show. Hey everyone, I'm your host Courtney and joining with me today is my co-host Trevor. As mentioned in the introduction, today we're talking about the 10 healthy habits of frugal people. And from one of our favorite blogs, simpledollar.com, we're reading the article, 10 More Daily Habits of Frugal People. So let's jump right into the article. In the simpledollar.com's words, the other day I came across a really good article at Eat Local Green entitled 10 Daily Habits of Frugal People. Here's a list. Number one, frugal people use everything right to the last drop. Number two, frugal people like to stay home. Number three, frugal people don't spoil their children. Number four, frugal people have productive hobbies. Number five, frugal people don't shop as form of entertainment. Number six, frugal people save pennies throughout every single day. Number seven, frugal people put aside emergency funds. Number eight, frugal people cook from scratch. Number nine, frugal people do things the low-tech way. And number 10, frugal people repair things. Continuing on in the simpledollar.com's words, all of these things ring home for me as they accurately describe the way my family does things at home. It inspired me to start looking at my own life for habits and routines that subtly define our lives and make sure that spending less and wasting less money comes naturally to us. Here are 10 more habits I've, I've found in our lives. And again, these are the 10 habits of the simpledollar.com. So beginning with number one, which again is in the simple dollar.com's words frugal people think ahead when it comes to food what do you do when you get off work and you're hungry do you have something in place at home that you can prepare for a simple low-cost dinner or does your mind wander through the plethora of restaurant and takeout options when you're hungry on a on a weekend do you have several clear meals in mind that you can prepare or do you dig through the cupboards finding little and then eventually find yourself preparing either something unfulfilling or simply calling for delivery As a general rule, frugal people tend to plan ahead for meals. They take the steps necessary to ensure that they have something low-cost and prepared at home for the most meals and take extra steps to make it more convenient when when time is tight. I'll use myself as an example. I can tell you that when I'm going to have lunch today, dinner this evening, breakfast tomorrow, lunch after that, and dinner after that without skipping a beat, if I can check our meal plan, I can tell you about the next few extra days after that. That doesn't mean there's no room for spontaneity in there. If something changes, I can certainly freeze a meal or put it off a day. But it does mean that I'm not going to find myself at 5 p.m. wondering what I'll have for supper. Because that means I'm probably going to wind up getting delivery or take a food, which is expensive. There are a lot of elements to this. One big part is that is meal planning. Whether done formally with an actual plan written out somewhere. We do this with a whiteboard hanging in our entryway or more informally with just a bunch of meal options available to you. But in either case, you can have meal ideas ready to go. Another part is grocery planning, where you go to the grocery store with a list based on, at least in part on this meal plan. Number two, frugal people buy household supplies in bulk. It's far cheaper to buy non-perishable goods in bulk. If you buy a jumbo container of hand soap, for example, it's going to be far less cheaper than buying the same amount of hand soap in a small bunch of containers. Even more than that, it's going to take more time to keep buying hand soap over and over. That same phenomenon holds true regardless of what non-perishable goods you're talking about. 
toilet paper, trash bags, deodorant, bath soap, shampoo, toothpaste, dental floss, the list goes on and on and on. It's just far cheaper to shop around a little, buy those items in bulk when you need them, and maybe refill when you see this item on sale than it is to keep adding to your grocery list each time you run low. It saves time too. Another advantage, when I buy in bulk, if I notice I've run out of toothpaste, for example, I can just turn around and pull another two right out of the closet, only noting that I need to buy more if I'm pulling the last two out of the closet. If I'm buying these kinds of things one tube at a time or one small packet of trash bags at a time and so on, it's far easier to run completely out when you least expect it, leaving without the item you need at a very inconvenient moment. It saves money, saves time, and reduces inconvenience. That's a triple win. Number three, frugal people use community resources frequently. Almost every community has a ton of free or low-cost resources that people can utilize if they pay attention and are aware of them. Take, for example, the town we live in. That's a great. There's a great library that offers thousands of books, interlibrary loan for m- more books, DVD rentals, study rooms, and other features, including meeting space for community groups. There are also several parks, some featuring hiking and bicycling trails. There are also se- several separate bicycling trails beyond the parks. The town offers several free community events throughout the year, usually accumulating in a community festival in August that's free to attend. The town has a food and clothing pantry for those in need of items, too. There are several community groups in town, many of which host different community events throughout the year. There are at least two free community dinners a week. That's just the stuff going on in my small town. If I go to the nearest large city, Des Moines, there's basically an overload on free things to do in the community and free resources to utilize if I want to use them. The trick is that you have to really look for these things. They're generally not pushed in your face all the time via advertisement, as businesses usually are. You have to take the initiative by visiting your community website and your local library's website and reading local publications. Number four, frugal people often shop for used items before buying new new ones. Whenever I'm in the market for an item, I usually start shopping at secondhand stores for that item. This is true for everything from clothing to kitchen items and from picture frames to mixing bowls. I'll check the local Goodwill store. I'll check a local consignment shop, and I'll also definitely check Craigslist and FreeCycle. Sometimes I'll, I'll find just what I need and pay about 10% or 20% of what I would have paid new. Sometimes I'll, I'll find a reasonable substitute for what I intended to buy and save a ton too. If I don't, I'm not out anything. I'll just go out and buy a new version of the item, assuming, of course, that I need it right away. If not, I'll just wait. By starting with used options, I open the door to the possibility of big discount. If I never bother to use the options first, I completely miss out on this possibility. There's another benefit too. If you pick up a used item and then use that instead of picking a new item, you're keeping materials out of the landfill thanks to the simple practice of reusing things that aren't broken. Number five, frugal people think long-term when it comes to their overall finances. This is one of the biggest differences I see between frugal and non-frugal people. Frugal people behave in a way that demonstrates concern over whether or not they'll have enough money in 10 or 20 years. Non-frugal people behave in a way that just demonstrates concern over whether or not they'll have enough money in 10 or 20 days. A paycheck-to-paycheck lifestyle really disregards any sort of long-term perspective on one's finances. A paycheck-to-paycheck lifestyle really regards any sort of long-term perspectives on one's finances. The focus in a paycheck-to-paycheck lifestyle is really simply making it to the next paycheck without any long-term regard for conserving money in any significant way. 
Our frugal lifestyles very much focused on the long term. This doesn't just come through in day-to-day lifestyle choices, but also in broader financial decisions. Many frugal people are free from all debt and have substantial savings. In their day-to-day lives, it describes the idea of spending less than they earn, and they stick with the maximum month after month and year after year. That type of mindset is all about the long-term focus. There comes a point in the lives of many frugal people where they'll really not worried at all about their long-term finances, but that doesn't mean that they start spending either. Their lifestyle meets their needs and wants, so why change it? Number six, frugal people tend to seek out people who are also frugal and form tight social networks with them. People tend to seek out friends who match their values. It's often that people are the average of their five closest friends, and I found that to be true time and time again. That's why people who make frugal lifestyle choices often have close friends that are also frugal. When you choose, when your close friends are frugal, it's easy to share frugal tactics and learn new ones. It's easy to see people in your life who are making cost-effective choices in every aspect of their lives, and those choices become an example for you. It all becomes self-reinforcing. When, you close friend, when your close friends are big spenders, the opposite happens. The people in your life spend money freely, and they don't make choices that lead to long-term financial stability. They aren't careful with their money on a day-to-day basis. Those choices become an example for you, and it becomes self-reinforcing. While it's not impossible for a person who spends freely and a frugal person to be close friends, there is a big value difference going on there, which can make it harder to have a deep and close friendship. How does a frugal person seek out new friends and similar values? We find most of ours through being involved in community organizations and projects. Those types of activities tend to attract a wide mix of people, many of whom are quite frugal. Number seven, frugal people put great value on renewing themselves through action, not through purchases, all of which feel burnt out sometimes. Work is stressful. Personal relationships are stressful. Society itself can be stressful. Those stresses can really add up, and eventually we need an outlet for those stresses. We're all familiar with the concept of retail therapy. That's where people respond to this kind of stress in their life by shopping. The pleasure of buying something new becomes a way to placate the stress, at least in the short term. However, retail therapy often introduces a different form of long-term stress. When you spend in that way, you're not always making the best spending choices, and that can lead to debt and not having enough money to go around. A frugal person tends to deal with stress differently. They find free things to do that deflate their stress. For example, my favorite stress reliever is to do some vigorous exercise, like going for a jog or playing soccer in the backyard with my son or doing some resistance yoga. All of this I can do at home for free or if I'm worn out, I to get lost in a novel. Once upon a time, I used to go to stores and buy things to relieve stress. In the short term, it helped a lot. In the long term, it made most of the things I was really stressed out about worse than before. Number eight, frugal people try lots of different activities as long as you're not pricey. Yes, this is something that non-frugal people do as well, but there's a key difference, which I'll get to in a minute. On a given weekend, my family and I almost always fill the days with a variety of activities, some old and some new. Some of the old activities are familiar things that we enjoy doing. The new things, however, come from a wide variety of sources, public radio, local newspapers, websites, and so on. I'll give you an example. This past weekend, we spent almost two hours filling out Mammal March Madness brackets. We looked up every animal in the bracket, determined individually which animal would win every matchup, and slowly covered our individual brackets with numbers. 
Since then, we've been following the results that they've been posted. On another recent weekend, the only nice weekend of the summer, we went to a nearby park and played a modified version of Ultimate Frisbee that worked well for four people. Jumping ahead to number nine, frugal people look for mutually beneficial options. Frugal people put a lot of value in solutions to problems that manage to, to kill two birds with one stone. Synergy is a great thing. I live in a tiny town in central Iowa, which means that for, for, for some needs, I have to go to Des Moines. Rather than just going down there every time something comes to mind, I wait patiently and make only one trip that takes care of several things at once. Another example, our family makes at least some purchases based on how reusable containers it, container is. For example, many plastic coffee canisters work really well for a variety of things, such as covered storage. Skipping down to number 10, frugal people value reliability as a primary virtue. This goes back to the idea of frugal people thinking long term. One of the greatest virtues of a frugal person is that something will reliably work for a period of time. An enabled cast iron pot, for example, might cost twice as much as a normal pot, but it's going to last basically for the rest of one's life. The cheap one might wind up getting bent or having the coating peel off, but the cast iron will keep going and going and going. It's a frugal purchase. You might be able to get a kitchen knife at the dollar store. The blade will be useless in just a few years as it's susceptible to nicks and the metal doesn't hold an edge. A slightly more expensive knife like a Victory Knox chef's knife will last for many, many years and just owning and still cutting like a champ. It's a frugal purchase. How does a frugal person find these things? They tend to research their purchases and find out what's actually good and bad about the things they buy. A reliable item is worth a premium. Again, that was the SimpleDollar.com's 10 More Daily Habits of Frugal People. So Trevor, I want to bring you and the listeners on board now. What was your impression of that of that blog post? I think it was very thought-provoking. I, I think everybody could benefit by adding some frugality to their daily lives. I mean, I picked up a lot of tips out of this this article. That's why I, I kind of selected it. There's some things in there I, you know, I thought I was being frugal about, and you know, they pointed out some of the, the pitfalls in in traps people can fall into, which which I think I have. So it, it's good to revisit frugal people's frugal habits just to make sure you're still on track. I really right now want to acknowledge the elephant in the room, and that is the idea of frugality. It has such a negative connotation. Yeah, no, without question. Uh, you know, a lot of people interchange the word frugal and cheap, and cheap sounds very negative. Frugal has sort of a positive tone to it, but if you think about it as a person being cheap, then, then it's going to be looked at negatively. I mean, we live in a very materialistic society, and obviously material possessions are, are given a great value. And if you're frugal, you're obviously not valuing those same possessions. So really, it's just society's norms and standards being a little bit more skewed towards materialistic. Well, consumerism just doesn't work if everybody goes frugal, right? It's, so advertising, which is very persuasive and very cleverly designed, uh, it, it paints pe- frugal people in a very negative picture. And almost in a sense, can, consumerism corporations do not want people to be frugal and therefore may implicitly or more obviously shame those of frugal lifestyles in, into, into thinking that's a deviant way of living. Well, Apple's a great one. They, they convince us that our old iPhones are, are worthless, you know, so we'll buy the new one. And all they do is, is advertise all the features that the new phone has that the old ones don't. Because at the end of the day, who is frugality actually benefiting? Not the 
the consumer, the spending for the consumer, and not the corporation. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Trevor, could you define for our listeners? I know this article has done a phenomenal job at really looking at frugality, but do you have any other further definitions for frugality for our listeners? Well, for me, we preach on this show, spend less than you earn over and over and over again. And to me, that is the definition of frugality, is basically finding tools and tricks and and strategies to spend less than you earn. Definitely. And, And that's what I think was the main takeaway from this article when I first read it, was that, wow, this podcast really, really is rooted deeply in frugality without realizing it or not. And oddly enough, we haven't done that as a show to- uh, a show topic yet, which is, is really strange. And that's why I, I, I kept going, we kept hitting the, the, the news headline stories and frugality just never seems to make the news. So that's why it's taken 21 shows to get to this topic. And it's, I mean, we absolutely love the simpodollar.com. So it's, it's, it's crazy that we haven't turned to this resource, which is, it's, it's a greatly written article. And we honestly, Trevor and I, we could not have put this as well as the simpodollar.com did. Now, I just want to say to the so, lis- listeners, although we promote that this podcast is about Canadian personal finance, the simple dollar, obviously you can tell from, they're from Iowa in the United States, but I think frugality is pretty universal it's not country specific a lot of things they said that that that's available to them in their country are also available to us in our country so we haven't abandoned the canadian concept so moving to number one it's all about planning ahead for meals how much does this resonate with you trevor well you know when we had a young family and and we're trying to get them to their activities and stuff time was the most precious commodity and we would spend, we, you know, we would go grocery shopping just to get the food. You know, we wouldn't price shop. We wouldn't sort of buy in bulk. And I'm sure that cost us. And time being our most precious commodity, we we focused on, on you know, getting things done quickly and efficiently, not not cost effectively. And looking back, I think we could have, we could have as a family uh been more frugal on, on our food and, and as my kids have grown and moved out I, I obviously have more time now and so I am becoming more frugal about shopping I know when we went on on family trips we may, may we didn't stop at restaurants a lot of times we'd stop at a grocery store and and pick up a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter I mean that's pretty frugal I mean we we could we'd eat at least one of our meals that way we might go to a restaurant for, for dinner uh, but we'd we'd find a frugal way to eat breakfast and lunch and you you save a ton of money doing that. And um, as at my end, being meal planning is almost something that is essential and crucial as a student because the grocery store is not not right there. You don't have a vehicle to get to the grocery store. So making sure you have everything you need for the week in order to make all the meals that you need to make is just so important. And also the aspect of eating out. It would be 10 times easier for any student. I know we talked about this in the last episodes to go to campus without thinking about any of the meals they'd have to eat that day while on campus and simply buying food while you were there. So and there's, this also, is- there's also the health aspect of, of meal planning. Chances are if you're meal planning and cooking at home, you're, you're eating a healthier uh, meal than if you were to eat out. Oh, for sure. Cause you're very aware of what's going into your body. And, and some people will think that, Oh, it's not that good to think about food all the time like that. But you almost need to in order to uh, to live a healthier and uh, more economically sensible life. Moving on to number two, frugal people buy household ice supplies in bulk. Trevor, is this something that your family does? 
Well, it's kind of linked back to frugal tip number one in a way in that uh, meal planning and buying food in bulk. You, you know, if you're, you would buy the food that you're going to plan your meal around. One of the pitfalls of buying in bulk that I've found is I tend to subconsciously be more wasteful knowing I have a reserve of whatever that food is in my cupboard. And maybe I, I don't use every last drop or I may, if it's a, a comfort food, I may go to it more often because I know there's a lot of them there subconsciously. So that, that can be a pitfall of, of bulk shopping, but I'm sure that is outweighed by the, the cost savings that, that you get when you buy in bulk. And to the point of that, if you know you have tons of toothpaste in the closet, you may not use it up to its very last drop. So I think when you're using everything in bulk, you also have to still apply the use everything to its very last drop principle as well. A trick that works for me is I don't leave that the bulk stores in a very convenient place. They're down in my basement. So if, again, you go to the toothpaste thing, if I, I it'll make me squeeze a little bit more of the toothpaste rather than run all the way down to my basement to get another one. So that kind of is a, a strategy. Definitely. Moving on to number three, people using community resources. Trevor, I know you're an advocate for this and utilizing your local library. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of our, our public library. And you have to really spend a bit of time there to realize just how many, how much resources they offer. Uh, there's, at my library, it's, it's a, a very, fairly modern building and it's quite large. It's got lots of rooms and they have public speakers there. They have uh, uh, book clubs they uh, obviously they rent DVDs. Uh, you can access the internet there. They have free Wi-Fi. Obviously, books, audio books. I'm a huge fan of audio books. Anyone listening to this is probably a big fan of audio. I know in most Canadian libraries are associated with uh, Ontario Library Services, which is a an online library uh, portal where you can download audio books and ebooks to read. So, libraries are I consider them very cutting edge. And uh, I frequent my library all the time. In fact, when my kids were younger, we went there multiple times a week. And it's, if you think of what you spend on a book, you know, uh, I don't know, $15 maybe is, is an average price. If you bought one book a month over the course of a year, that's a lot of money. You go to your library, I mean, I, sometimes I will buy a book, but I'll go to the library to actually test drive the book. You know, I'll go there and read a couple of chapters and say, do, do I like this book, particularly if it's a resource book. I'll get it at the library. I'll read one or two chapters. If I really like it, I'll buy the ebook and put it on my Kindle, which I love reading because it, it illuminates. It's easy to read at night. Uh, I, and, so, and maybe I'll actually get the audio book as well if I, if I, if I really like the book. So uh, the library offers a lot of resources. And there's also um, other community resources. I, I belong to a, a concert band, a sort of an orchestra band in town, and it's it doesn't cost anything to be a member of that. And you kind of get free music lessons through that, and it's it's kind of fun. So, if you have to, uh, a lot of times you have to go looking for it. They because because they're nonprofit, they don't advertise like profit oriented companies do. So a lot of times finding these is not easy, and it's it's the lack of advertising. And of course, they're putting their funds into the program and not advertising. So it kind of makes sense. I'd have to argue that that's definitely one of the more enjoyable parts about about look attending and looking for alternative forms of entertainment is because it is it is fun to go looking for these things oh yeah if you put it if you put it out there the the finding it is part of the part of the fun then definitely it's 
And I live in a really small town. In a city, it's just magnified. It's, it's 10 times where they, I, I look at nearby cities and, and the activities that are offered for free. Number four is buying used items before you buy new ones. Now, Trevor, I know from our previous conversations that you're a firm advocate of this. Well, you know, there's some things that you buy used and some things that just doesn't make sense to buy used. And I'll give you a couple of examples. So we have a store in our town. It's called Beyond the Blue Box. And it's if the blue box. If you think of blue box as a recycling container, and this is called Beyond the Blue Box. So this is stuff where people have, they would have thrown it out or, or, or put it in recycling, but it, it maybe has some more use. So they'll, you can take it to this, this store. It's, it's in our downtown and drop it off and then they'll in turn put it in, in and they'll sell it for and they sell it for a very low cost and something I bought there was a bed frame you know a steel bed frame with wheels made of metal you know but one, one thing I wouldn't buy there I wouldn't buy a mattress it's just me you know I'm not saying that's wrong but I just wouldn't buy a mattress but I would buy the bed frame I probably saved 50 bucks buying the bed frame there uh, I also I I don't people are familiar with Value Village. It's a secondhand clothes store. There, there's like a chain of them in every city. Um, I'll buy certain things like sweaters or uh, I don't know t-shirts, but I, I I'm not gonna buy um, underwear or socks or shoes there. It's just me. I'm not saying it's wrong, but so y- you have to be selective in what what you consider you would buy used. I've also bought stuff off Kijiji, which is a an online. Um, sort of classified things kind of like craigslist in the and i've bought and sold things on there uh, pretty good deals so but it, you know what it takes it takes effort those things require effort to get uh you and you you uh you sacrifice selection when you're buying secondhand but you're getting it at a usually at a heck of a price and i do want to highlight the importance of that if you don't find it used, buy it new. They're not discouraging buying new, but they're discouraging putting effort, like you said, Trevor, into seeing if you can buy it at a reduced cost. And I kind of take it on as a challenge. I, I say, you know, I, I'm going to keep looking for this thing. And it's almost a hobby of mine to find what it is I needed to buy it used. And uh, so I don't consider it, it a burden or work. And when I find it, I, I am so excited if, I, if I'm able to satisfy a particular need with something used. What I like that you said there, Trevor, is what I need. It's You go to these secondhand stores only looking for exactly what you need, not as a place where you buy everything that looks interesting and you end up with too many things. Well, at the beginning of this article, one of the things they talked about was uh, frugal people don't shop as a form of entertainment. And... Although I go seeking out used things, it is actually a form of entertainment to see if I can actually find it. So it, it kind of counters one of the, the things frugal people don't do, but it kind of counters it as it is something frugal people do in that it's used secondhand. Definitely. Jumping number five, it talks about living for the long term as opposed to the pay, day to paycheck to paycheck lifestyle. So Trevor, do you think it's realistic to if you're maybe starting out to live for more of a long-term lifestyle as, as opposed to paycheck to paycheck, or is it a better mentality and not necessarily literally living um, a long-term lifestyle? Well, we preach uh, spend less than you earn on this show over and over and over again. And obviously living paycheck to paycheck is, is spending everything you earn, maybe more. The focusing on long-term when it comes to overall finances, you tend to, 
may be making plans and working, working based on a plan rather than just being reactive. So long-term requires planning. And uh, there's an expression out there, if you don't have a plan, you're planning to fail. So long, thinking long-term requires a plan. And generally, a plan takes you in a direction. And direction takes you to a destination. So uh, I think it, this is, is paramount. This is a, one of the key frugal tr- this is one of the key traits of frugal people is thinking long term. So if your paycheck is limited and you don't have that much money, spending all of it, so literally living a paycheck to paycheck lifestyle or paycheck to pay, living paycheck to paycheck is fine as long as your mentality is in check. Well, the problem with living paycheck to paycheck is uh, you're, 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 you earn money in a linear fashion, meaning you earn a certain same amount every week, generally speaking. And if you spend it the same way, uh, that that works until life happens. And life doesn't happen linearly. Life happens in peaks and valleys. And so when you hit a, a peak of required expense, but you've been spending your money as you get it, all of a sudden you're faced with incurring debt to satisfy that that peak of expense. So, So that being said, what is your recommendation to our listeners who may be living a paycheck-to-paycheck lifestyle just wondering if they'll get by. Well, you've is got it because they have? Is it because they are currently doing more in their life than they can actually afford? Well, you know, staying focused on this article, so we won't say find ways to increase your income. Where you're gonna, you know, the math has to work. You're gonna have to adjust your lifestyle to, to match your income, and every situation is different. And, and I know, okay, there's people living below the poverty line, and uh, obviously those people are, are have, a, have a unique challenge. But people that the average person making the average wage, you just you you have to spend less than you earn. Moving on to number six, which this talks about so your social networks and who are within them, which just resonates with our previous episode on toxic relationships. Yeah, this one can uh, this can be a a finance killer. I mean, if you're in a circle of people who who are big spenders, uh, enjoy living the high life, and and maybe they earn more money than you, uh, and you're you're spending time with them. Like it says, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And but if you don't have the same income as the average people you spend the most time with, they become very toxic to you, and you're going to end up spending money that you don't have or shouldn't be spending on, and end up in a bad place. And I really like that this point was highlighted because I f- I feel like there could be a common misconception that you are above being influenced by other people. You, you can you can see that they're spending more and you don't want to spend money that way, but it really all happens at a subconscious level. So I really like that they brought forward that this is such an important point and that you do need to surround yourself with the right people because this mentality, it will get to you. Well, and they said in this this particular one is a way to, to meet up with these people is through community events. And uh, that's that's a new thought to me. I never thought of that. But if you're you know, there could be a volunteering on a Habitat for Humanity. Chances are those are, those are frugal-minded people, particularly if they're seeking that type of thing out as a form of entertainment. Obviously, they're not uh, spending a, a weekend skiing at some expensive resort, right? They're, 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 they're spending their time helping someone build a house, is in that example. Definitely. Oh, for sure. Moving on to number seven, this is where, um, this, is, this is all about the spending when you're stressed and spending to feel better about yourself. 
So Trevor, where 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 does that where does this stand with you? Yeah, this um this is uh shopping is a form of entertainment and it it, it doesn't end well. If if it just creates a vicious circle. If you're have a job and you're very, you have a very stressful work week and then you go shopping to relieve your stress, spending money that maybe you don't have, then come Monday morning you've you've you your debt has increased, your need to work has increased and you end up more stressed and then you go at the end of that work week back out shopping to relieve your stress to spend more money that you don't have which increases your need to work you can see the circle keeps going around and around by finding another way to relieve your stress and and they mentioned some you know reading just creating a relaxing environment exercise all these things are, have proven to relieve stress as effectively as as uh, retail therapy has so I, I think this is an important one and it it resonates of shopping as a form of entertainment, which entertainment might relieve stress. So I think this one is key. Have you ever fallen victim to this before, Trevor? Oh, absolutely. And there, you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who hasn't. Who doesn't feel good when they buy a, a new shiny whatever, right? A, a new phone, a new piece of clothing, even a new car. I mean, all those things make you feel great, uh, for a, unfortunately, for a very short period of time. And once they become integrated into your day-to-day -day life, the newness wears off, the the retail therapy effect wears off once it's integrated in your day-to-day -day life. Definitely. Um, moving on to number eight, people try activities that aren't expensive. So you kind of touched on this before, but how do you incorporate this frugality principle into your life? Well, I, I, love, I like to read. I love reading. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it's a form of entertainment. It's a form of uh, education. I also like um, exercise, not intense exercise, but I like to get out for walks and, uh, on my bike. Yeah. I like to mountain bike in the forest, things like that. So Trevor for number nine, is there anything that you do that really has a mutually beneficial option in that it kills two birds with one stone? Well, one thing I do in the summer, so I've mentioned before, I live in a small town. I'm about 10 minutes away from where I work. And sometimes in the summer I'll ride my bike to work and that gets me obviously to work as a form of transportation, but it also gets me some exercise. So it's kind of uh, mutually exclusive. So it frees me up where I, I might spend time. I might have had to spend time in the evening getting my daily exercise in. I actually got it in by riding back and forth to work. That's a great example, Trevor. Number 10, last but not least, and this is for me the one that really hit home the hardest, was that people value reliability as a primary virtue and spend money to get that reliability. Now this one you could fall into a trap though. Uh, and mark, uh, marketing magicians they 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 know how to play on this one and you can you you do have to buy what you need and what the trap people can fall into is is buying more than they need and a, a big one is on electronics and a lot of people will buy for what they might potentially use a computer for not their immediate computer needs and and so i know this talks about a, a knife as an example and i think that's a great example you know, going cheap on a knife is crazy because you're just going to end up throwing it away after a year as soon as it gets dull. But you, you can't apply this to everything. There, there, there is a potential trap here. Oh, for sure. And I'm just thinking at more, uh, more of a, a kind of a lower level. I mean, I, we all know we're all Canadians. We all know of the crazy sales that Canadian Tire has where they offer uh, 20 containers uh, set for 70% off. And you're like, yes, I need all those containers. So at some point, too, you may have... You may have too much stuff, but you buy because it's on sale. And again, 
like the the common sale tactic that we must remember is that something is not only $20. It's $20 more than you would have spent. So I think that's something important to remember. Trevor, I do want to ask though, as, as now you're now approaching retirement, you, you've lived you've lived a good portion of your life. Are these frugality principles something you've practiced your whole life or have you, have you practiced and gotten better where you completely not frugal at any point in your life? Like let our listeners know in on maybe some in more of the human aspects that you've, you've lived through with, frugality principles yeah i probably uh there was times in my life like i mentioned earlier where where time was the most precious commodity and frugality took a back seat and but in my younger days where i i didn't um earn that a whole lot of money before i had kids say uh i i did live more frugal because i didn't make a whole lot of money and now that i'm saving up for retirement and my kids have pretty much moved out I'm returning back to some frugal practices. So it, it comes and goes, peaks and valleys. Uh, I probably could have been a little more frugal with my, when my kids were young. It's kind of a, a, a fine line. You want to give your kids all the experiences you can, but at the same time, you don't want to spend money you don't have doing it. So there, there's a fine line to, to walk there because once your kids are growing up and moved out, you can't sort of, you know, give the your children that experience when they're in their 20s when it was an experience they would have appreciated when they were five or six so it, it really is a uh it really is a balancing act a trade-off between uh, opportunity and, and and reward when you have a lot of money and you're maybe not as hard pressed to be frugal how do you still be frugal and do you believe that it is still important to be frugal when you are financially well off well being wasteful is probably never a great trait. So being being frugal just from the standpoint of w- w- everyone will have a different motivation. It could be uh, to protect the environment could be your motivation to be frugal. And and maybe if you're if you if you're financially well off and you're frugal, you could use some of your your wealth to support a charity. So I think everybody c- could benefit from frugality and their their community could benefit from it. And how do you get your family and partner on board for frugality if you may be a more frugal person than they are or you want to teach your children the values of being frugal? Well, it's, in terms of your, your life partner, uh, it has to be a team effort. If one person is, is a, sort of a free spender and the other person is really frugal, it, it, it'll just create resentment. It, it doesn't work with uh, one person because it'll come across as cheap. Uh, and... That, that never ends well. Are some people more naturally frugal, do you think? And the mind shift towards being frugal is a lot easier than some people who maybe don't have a mind shift or are raised differently? Well, I would say typically uh, people I know, introverts tend to be more frugal than extroverts. Just, just, But not saying an extrovert can't be frugal. I, I know some that are, but you know, typically that, that's been my, my experience. Again, because it echoes the principle of um, early on in the article that it said that frugal people stay home. So that, that definitely resonates with that statement. Trevor, I do want to ask you if there's, if there's maybe top three things that you would recommend to someone who wants to take on a more frugal lifestyle, three simple steps to get them on the road towards frugality, what would they be? Well, just looking at this original list, I think one of the, the, the three things that really resonate with me are, uh, you know, spend time with frugal people. So, or surround yourself with frugal, like-minded people. Don't 
shop or spend money as a form of entertainment and have hobbies or interests that don't consume a lot of money and maybe are productive or produce money. Very well stated and definitely three things that our listeners can work towards, towards being more frugal. And on that note, that is it for this episode. If there's any frugality principles that you apply to your life that we haven't touched on in this episode, leave us a link, leave us a comment on our social media pages, leave us a comment on iTunes, send us an email, anything, just reach out to us and let us know what you're doing to be frugal. Also, make sure to give us a rating on iTunes as we, we want to know who's listening. And don't forget to check out our blog post that we post every week on our, at our website, livelifesimple.ca. And until next week, keep it simple and make sure to turn in, tune in next week when we'll be talking about credit cards and their benefits. That's right, credit cards and their benefits. See everyone next week.